Hey, Rockbridge, welcome again to one of our services at our six physical locations or online. And what a great video we just got to see of some of the mission opportunities that we engaged in over the summer. And I just want to thank all of you that, that give, that pray, and those of you who have been able to go. Your giving enables us to do things like this. About 15 plus percent of our, of our budget goes outside our four walls to, to bless people in the name of Jesus, help people in the name of Jesus, and share the message of the gospel of Jesus. So thank you for that and incredibly exciting stuff. And we've got Serve the City, our second Serve the City endeavor coming up in September. We're going to go out in our six physical communities and serve and bless in the name of Jesus. So more information coming uh, about that. So I just want to remind everybody as well, we have Monday meetups at all six of these locations that happen every Monday. You can communicate with us via the Next Step card in our Connect here areas and our lobby spaces, of course, online, email, phone, text, all of those things. But this is just a way personally, if you ever want to stop, get prayer, ask a question, or say hello in any of our six cities that we find ourselves. Last thing before we get into Ripple Effect Part 3 is don't forget... Wednesdays at 6.33, another incredible week that we had uh, this past Wednesday of praying for our communities. That will be, again, at all six locations, also online engagement opportunity this coming Wednesday at 6.33. So we're in this series called Ripple Effect. We are going verse by verse through the book of 1 Corinthians. And what we have said, and the reason we've called it or branded this series Ripple Effect is really comes out of what Paul has been teaching us the last two chapters, that this event in history, which is more than an event, Jesus on the cross, Jesus Christ crucified, buried, raised, resurrected, this event creates a massive ripple effect in history, in the human heart, and affecting our entire lives. That this event informs, impacts, influences everything. And Paul hasn't got to all the specifics yet. He's going to how this impacts lawsuits, how this impacts sexuality, how this impacts divorce, singleness, marriage, Lord's Supper, speaking in tongues, uh, all of these different things. He hasn't gotten to that yet. He's building the foundation for those conversations that's coming later in his letter to the church at Corinth. But this event is the great ripple effect of history in the human heart, and it impacts everything. Now, to sort of illustrate that, I'll just tell you, and maybe to illustrate the other thing you learned from me, which is that we're all one decision away from stupid. I'll just tell you a quick story. This happened, like, actually this year, right? I get in my, I come home late one night, and my truck is, like, almost on empty. And, you know, I have this gauge that says how many miles I have left. And, and I know there's always some gravy in that. So if they say you have 15, you might really have 20. I understand that. But my truck, once it gets below 10, it just says low. So I pulled in that night, it was low, right? And I thought, well, first thing in the morning when I get up and get going, I'll go get gas. And I get up pretty early, so I'm driving out of my neighborhood. And to get out of my neighborhood and onto the kind of the main road where the gas stations and stuff are, you got to go up this hill. And I go up this hill, and my car stops going up that hill, all right? And, and so like, I am just stuck there. 
I am, I mean, I just pushed the limits. I thought what I thought and what I knew was better than what the gauge told me and trusted my gut, trusted my instincts rather than trusting the manufacturer of the vehicle itself. And so, you know, I'm hitting the flashers. I've got to do the walk of shame back to my house, get a gas can, get my wife's car. And then the whole time I'm praying, I hope nobody in the neighborhood sees me. I hope nobody in the neighborhood sees me. It's pitch black. It's it's earlier than most people get up. And I get all that done, get the car going again. You know, everything's good. And then I get this text from one of my neighbors whose teenage son texts his mom, hey, is everything okay with Matt? So she's texting me, are you okay? Is something wrong? He saw you there. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm just an idiot, right? I am one decision away from stupid, and I ran out of gas on the hill because I didn't trust my gauge. I trusted my gut. Now, here's the question. Does this offer wisdom for this? And and that's where Paul's going. Does this event actually, is it comprehensive, pervasive enough in in its supply of wisdom and knowledge and power for living, which we'll see in just a second, does this event speak to this? Now, let let, let me say this. For most of us, the answer is probably like no. And and that's one, one of the struggles, right? One of the struggles we have is, okay, how does this inform how I live on Monday, how I make decisions on Tuesday? Does this inform how I choose a college, a career, a spouse? Does this inform whether or not I go to the gas station when my gauge says I'm supposed to go or when I think I can go, right? Does, is this that comprehensive of a source of power and wisdom and, and, and life? Does, does this event in my life, should it have been informed by this event this source of wisdom, this ripple effect of the cross. And for most of us, you know, we're like, no, this has no bearing with your spirituality. This has no bearing. Just like Matt, when I go to church, I'm at church. But when I go to work, man, i got to be at work. When I go to school, I gotta, I'm at school. And, 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 you know, I don't see the crossover. I don't see the impact always that the cross and Jesus has on my regular life. Well, that's where Paul's going to take us today. And it, and it dovetails with how we sort of ended last week. So let me go there, repeat some verses we read, talked about last week. He says, to those who were called, were called by the cross, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And this wisdom is not just get into heaven wisdom. And then Paul talks, then he switches or he transitions and he talks about his ministry and preaching. He says, so that your faith, your trust, your dependence, how you walk, how you live by your life, because we're told to walk by faith, that your faith would not be based on human wisdom, but on God's power. So your faith would not be based on your gut, not be based on your, your instincts, not be based on your intuition, but rather upon God's power. And so Paul here is making an astonishing claim that God's wisdom is far greater than we think, imagine, or open ourselves up to. And what he's trying to say to the Corinthians is, hey, you got the cross when we started your church, when you first understood Christ crucified, but you're not living by the cross and its wisdom and its power in your everyday life. 
Now, to make this make sense, and this really ties in with what we talked about last week, so if you missed last week, I definitely encourage you to grab that message online and watch it. But I want you to think of a this in your life. Now, a this is a situation, an event, a direction, a decision, an episode, a season where you are making choices, you are deciding things. You, you might even say, man, I need wisdom for this. And, and so the this I've shared with you is the this of running out of gas. And, and I've told you, I think the cross informs that, affects that, or should have informed that, or should have affected that. You think of your this, and let's pray and ask God for God's wisdom on your this. All our campuses online, join with me to pray together. God, we're going to continue to navigate through your word, and we need your help and your illumination. And God, I, we, we've asked ourselves to just identify in our lives right now with this, a situation, an episode, a season, a, a decision we're facing, a decision we're making, something we're going through where, God, we might say we need wisdom, where we might say we need your power. And I, God, I just want to pray by your spirit and by your word this weekend at Rockbridge Community Church. You would show us the connection of the cross of Christ to the this in our lives. For your glory, and in your name we pray, amen and amen. So we're going to jump forward to 1 Corinthians 2, 6. We're in new verses this week. We do, however, speak of wisdom among the mature. So Paul, last week, talked about two classes of people, those who are being saved through the cross, and those who are perishing because they have not yet responded to the call of the cross. So now he adds another little descriptor or subset of, of people that uh, he says the word mature. And he says, we speak a wisdom among the mature, but not a wisdom of this age, not the wisdom this age operates on of how to run your life and live your life, or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. They're, this wisdom comes to nothing. This wisdom leaves you on empty, on a hill, in the middle of the, in the, in the early wee hours of the morning, hoping nobody sees you, right? On the contrary, though, we speak God's hidden wisdom in a mystery, meaning this wisdom has to be revealed. It has to be shared. It has to be given to us. We're not going to get it from our gut. We're not going to get it from our instincts. We're not going to get it by just getting in a room and thinking hard enough. We have hidden wisdom that's being spoken by, by Paul to us. And it's a wisdom that God predestined, decided beforehand the ages, decided before the ages for our glory. So this wisdom that's hidden, that's not of this age, that's not of us, that's not going to come from our gut, that's not going to come from our instincts, that's not going to come from, oh, I feel like this today, oh, I think I can make it today, it's going to come from God. But this wisdom that God wants us to live our lives by is for our maximum happiness and enjoyment. So let's break these verses down a little bit and talk through them. So what Paul did last week is he gave us two groups of people, people who are saved by and through the cross and people who are perishing because they have yet to respond to the cross. This week, he talks about that the cross also makes us mature or where we live by the wisdom that comes from, as inferred by, and it comes out of the cross. So he gives us another subgroup and then the, the opposite of that are foolish people. So what he's doing here is saying, hey, look, Corinthians, 
You were saved, but you're operating in a foolish manner. And so you were saved by the cross, but you're also to operate and live by the cross. And what he's saying is there's a disconnect, right, between the fact that you're saved and yet you're living based on foolishness or based on wisdom of this age, the same age that rejects the cross and results in people perishing. So what Paul wants to do is he wants to move the church or move you and I more solidly over here so that we live out of the cross. Let me say it this way. The way of the cross is the way of eternal life, and it's wisdom for everyday life. It's wisdom for my gas episode, so I believe right? So he says that. Now, a couple other things that, that come out of this text that we have to understand is he uses the word hidden, the word hidden wisdom or mystery that was made known to us by the gospel, by the Holy Spirit, through the prophets, through the apostles like Paul. And we have that revelation contained in God's word. Now, that contradicts how we tend to think of wisdom. We tend to think, to tend, we tend to think of wisdom as what? What I think, what I feel, what I believe. Right, And so Oprah Winfrey captures it best in this quote when she received an award. She said, what I know for sure is that speaking your truth is the most powerful tool we, have, we all have a lot, we all, that we all have. Now, you can imagine when she said that, there were a lot of people in the audience, they weren't saying amen maybe, but they were like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yes, right? Because that sounds good. That sounds cool. Man, my truth, yeah, my deal, my way, my path, Okay. I, I think this is one of the most idiotic statements ever made. Not saying she's an idiot, but that's an idiotic statement because I'm driving my truck up the hill, and my truth told me I could make it. My truth told me I could get to the gas station. The truth of those, that gas gauge was not telling me the truth because it was my truth. Well, guess which truth won? Because there's only one truth, the truth. And, and, and so the truth that we have to live our lives by is not my truth or your truth, it's his truth, his wisdom, which is revealed and made available to us through the bloody cross of Jesus Christ, period. And, and so that's where Paul's trying to take us and trying to take these people. Now, here's the ironic thing. The battle you and I have is this battle. Man, if I go with God's way, because we think my way, my truth leads to my maximum happiness, God says, no, 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 my truth, the truth, predestined for your glory. So the unbelief-belief battle we have is, if I go God's way, the way of the cross, the bloody, humbling cross, if I go God's way, will I get to happiness? God's word, we just read it, is predestined for glory. So yes, so here's the, here's the cool thing. All of us want wisdom because we think wisdom will maximize our happiness. So I operated that day on a wisdom that says, man, I'm tired. I want to get home. I don't want to mess with my gas. It's too late. It's too inconvenient. I can handle it in the morning. And it makes me happier to get home earlier. Made me miserable, though, to walk back to walk of shame with my gas, try to find my gas can and get my truck going again, right? And so God comes along and says, hey, I'll maximize your happiness if you go my way, the way of the cross. And so we all want wisdom to be happy, and God's offering us happiness through his wisdom. 
A.W. Tozer says it this way, powerful quote on, on God's wisdom. He says, all God's acts are done in perfect wisdom, first for his own glory. For his own glory. I mean, God's glory is his goal, his aim. But then for the highest good, for the greatest number, for the longest time. So God's glory is not against our happiness. God's glory and the path and the perfection of his wisdom moves, yes, to his glory, but it's the highest good for the greatest number of people on the planet, the people who respond to are called by and live by the cross, and it's for the longest time ever. It's been predestined that way, and it'll last forever. The belief, unbelief is, do we believe it late at night when we're driving home tired? Do we believe it when the gauge says it's almost empty? Do we believe it in your this, what we prayed for a few minutes ago, and my this? So the challenge, though, Paul unpacks it in verse 8 when he says, listen, none of the rulers of this age knew this wisdom because if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They didn't recognize it. They didn't understand it. They didn't see how God's wisdom could be displayed on a criminal's cross. And then Paul quotes an Old Testament uh, verse when he says, but listen, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human heart can, has conceived, God has prepared these things for those who love him. He's, he's looking back at the cross when he writes this, and he says, look, no one could comprehend God's love poured out on the cross, which causes us, when we receive that love, to reciprocate and to love him back. Nobody could have comprehended that. But God has revealed that and calls us by that, that way of the cross. And so this begins to kind of dissect the wisdom of this age. The wisdom of this age will appeal to our pride, okay? Me and my empty, my running out of gas story, I was operating by pride. I know better than the manufacturer of my Ram 1500 truck. How many times have we thought, well, I know better than the creator of the cosmos and the savior of the world. The gauge of the word of God, eh, I got it this time, God. I'll go with my gut. I'll go with what I want. I mean, it appeals to our pride. The wisdom of our age, Paul said, it comes to nothing. So why would we base our actions on wisdom that is temporary? on wisdom that's not enduring, on wisdom that eventually leaves us on empty. And, and then finally, the wisdom of our age, if you really boil it down, and we get that in verse 9, is based on conditional love. That God's wisdom for us is based on his eternal love, his unconditional love, that he died in our place, he died instead of us. Most of us, the wisdom of our age, we're pursuing something that's conditional. Like, we want people to like us. We want the applause of people. We, and whatever gets us that applause can be lost. We, we want, you know, possessions. We want power. We want prestige. That's all conditional on are we going to operate the way the world wants us to? Are we going to play by the, world's, the, the world's rules? Because oftentimes, right, it, it, it's that conditional love that ends up letting us down and hurting us. God says, no, I have unconditional love. It's shaped like a cross. But it's also that cross is not only my love for you, it's my wisdom to you. 
So the wisdom of this age, if we break it down even further to start to contrast it, it leaves our sinfulness unaccounted for. When we operate by our gut, by our intuition, by what feels right, what feels good, that can leave the fact that we have sinfulness in us unaccounted for. And sin always destroys. Sin always discourages and defeats. The wisdom of our age encourages self-sufficiency and our weaknesses are downplayed. It encourages us to be all you can be. The cross says you can't be. Hardship. The wisdom of our age says anything hard is bad, should be avoided or minimized. The cross shows us that the greatest good in the entire world, the, the, the most incredible display of love in the cosmos was hard. It's a rugged cross. The wisdom of our age says prosperity is always good. It ignores the temptations that are involved. It, it, it ignores the idolatry that can come out of prosperity. And then the wisdom of our age leaves God in an isolated category. The wisdom of our age says, hey, Christ on the cross doesn't apply to one decision away from stupid pastors who are trying to squeeze every last fume out of their gas tank. The wisdom of our age says, oh, Jesus on the cross doesn't apply to your marriage. The, Jesus on the cross doesn't apply to your money. Jesus on the cross doesn't really apply to your sexuality. Jesus on the cross, you know, we, we, we pray a prayer, we walk an aisle, we get dunked, we go through confirmation, check, 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 and we'll pull the cross back out when we're about to die. That's the wisdom of our age. It leaves God in an isolated category. Maybe some of us, it's a, big, it's a bigger category than for others. Some of us, man, it's, it's every week, it's one hour a week. Maybe it's Christmas and Easter. But God, the wisdom of the cross, the effect of the cross is so comprehensive and so pervasive, it is to affect and impact our everyday life. And, and, and I want you to think for a minute what the wisdom of God did through the cross. Okay, let's, let's talk about the gospel. God, in his wisdom, devised a way for the lo his love to deliver sinners from his wrath, the righteous anger of God, while not compromising the righteousness of God nor the justice of God. So God's justice, God's righteousness, all satisfied. God's wrath was satisfied. God's love was, was made evident and demonstrated all to rescue, adopt, redeem, ransom, propitiate, pay for, give us victory. God's wisdom did all that. So here, here, here's where Paul has it. The wisdom of the cross is the pinnacle. It's the high point of God's wisdom, but it's not just the pinnacle of his wisdom. It's the path of our wisdom. It's the path that we're supposed to walk along. And, and, it, and it starts with what? Humility. It starts with, I am not, God is. I cannot, God has. I did not, but God has done it for me. See, pride, Proverbs 11 says this, pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. And looking at the cross correctly is humbling, it's uplifting because he loves us so. It's conscious cleansing. It's shame covering. 
It's atoning, it's redeeming, it's delivering. But it all starts with humility. The wisdom of this age starts with pride. And me, myself, and I. So, how do people like you and me, so prone to go with our gut, so prone to think we know better than our maker and our manufacturer and our savior and our redeemer, How do we get this wisdom given to us, imparted to us? How do we begin to live by this wisdom? And that's where Paul goes. And when he says this in verse 10, he says, God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit, by God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So God the Holy Spirit makes this known to us. So we can't just say, like Oprah, it's my truth. No, we have to be given, and God's truth has to be revealed to us since the Spirit searches everything, even, even the depths of God. So, And then he kind of says, here's what, I, here's what he means by that. He explains what he means. For who knows a person's thoughts except his spirit within him? So I don't know what you're thinking right now unless you tell me. I, I don't, you don't know what I'm thinking unless I tell you. So we can't know what God's thoughts are unless God reveals them to us by his spirit. So we can't know the mystery that's hidden. We can't know the wisdom of the cross unless God reveals it to us by the spirit. And this is what Paul says. So in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God, which he gives to us so we can know the wisdom of the cross. Now, We have not received the spirit of the world. Now, here's what he's saying. Every house you walk into, every store you walk into, every company, every team, every business, every age has a spirit about it, right? And you would say, man, there's a friendly vibe in that place. There's a professional vibe in there. there's There's a hip vibe in there. So the spirit of the world is the spirit of this wisdom that is anti-gospel, it's the spirit that's anti-cross, and it's the spirit that does not recognize Jesus as the power and the wisdom of God. So he says, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit comes from God, so we may understand what has been freely, undeservedly, graciously, mercifully given to us by God. Okay? And, and so all of that's operating, all of that's in play. And, and what we have now is two conditions are necessary to open ourselves up to the power and wisdom of God in everyday life. God has to reveal, but God is a revealer, and he does this by his spirit. God has to make it known, which he has, which he will, which he does, through the cross by his spirit. But we have to be positioned to receive. And that occurs at the cross. And position to receive means we have to be humbled by the cross. We have to be humble enough to say, I don't know better than the manufacturer of my truck. We have to be humble enough to say, my ways lead to nothing. My ways are not sufficient. God puts us in that position at the cross. If we leave the cross, we leave the wisdom path and the wisdom source of God. When we leave the cross, we're saying, I got it. I'm going with gut. I'm going with instinct. I'm going with the spirit or the way of the world. That's why, Christians, we never go beyond or graduate from the cross. 
And the Holy Spirit plays into this because the Holy Spirit operates in conjunction with the message of the cross. Jesus said as much when he said, when the counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth, not your truth or my truth, but the truth. The spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. So the spirit is talking to us or revealing things to our mind about Christ. And where is the pinnacle of God's wisdom? Christ on the cross. Why did Paul say, we read it last week, I preach Christ crucified? Because that is the pinnacle of God's wisdom, the source of God's power, and the path of wisdom for you and I. This is why we have to admit something. God's wisdom, which leads to our victory, our glory, might begin with an attack on our pride. Ever thought about that? Because I think a lot of times when, we, when our pride gets attacked because we have blind spots on our pride, we pr- we're like, man, why is the world against Why is God against me? What if God's not against you? What if God is attacking your pride to open you up for more of his wisdom, his way, his power, his love, his grace, his victory, his glory, the, etern- the happiness he wants for you? So I think a lot of times we misunderstand God. We miss God because God's trying to get this pride thing down to some degree so he can get more into us. But we miss it because sometimes we're like, man, Satan's really after me today. This happened and this happened. Maybe God's trying to minimize your pride. Maybe God's trying to reveal something to you. Maybe God's trying to open you up and position you to receive more of himself and more of his wisdom. And then when we go to Revelation, we see this victory. We see the victory that comes when we walk the way of wisdom. And he says this, they triumphed, that's the victory, over him, the enemy, by the blood of the Lamb. How did they win? At the cross. So they didn't graduate from the cross when they were being attacked by Satan. They triumphed at the cross by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, their calling to Christ, which God calls us to the cross, to humble us so he can fill us, so he can bless us, so he can favor us, right? So the word of their testimony. And look, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. In other words, it wasn't about them and self-preservation, self-pride, self-glory, self-exaltation, or self-promotion. Now, all of this reminds me of a story from like a famous movie in my day, right? Karate Kid. Now, I'm dating myself. Maybe you know Cobra Kai, which is kind of this spinoff, right? So there's this famous scene in the, in, the, in, the, in the movie where Mr. Miyagi has agreed to teach Daniel karate. And Daniel's fired up. He's excited. He's been getting bullied and he's getting picked on. So he's going to finally learn some moves to defend himself, etc. And the first thing Miyagi has him do is paint the fence right, up, down, and then wax the car, wax on, wax off. And that's and like for days, that's what, that's what Daniel's doing. And he's like kind of getting upset and irritated because he's thinking, I'm here to learn karate. I, and his guy's got me doing menial chores, menial labor. And so his pride is being attacked. And, and one day he's just about ready to quit and walk away and be done with it. And Miyagi tells him to wax on, wax off, and paint the fence, up, down, up, down. And while he's doing that, he starts trying to strike Daniel. And Daniel realized all this stuff he's been teaching me is to position my hands 
to block shots and block kicks and block chops. And he sees the wisdom of his teacher and he humbles himself to receive all that this guy has. Same with God. His ways are not our ways. The way he works, we can't always fathom or comprehend. But in humility, we can open ourselves up to receive his wisdom and thus walk in his ways and thus share in his glory. But it all starts on the cross. So then Paul talks about his apostolic ministry, the preaching of what he had witnessed with Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. So we also speak these things, not in words taught by human wisdom. We're not talking with the spirit of this age. We're not appealing to pride. We're not appealing to self-help. We're appealing to and demonstrating and showing God's supremacy and God's superiority through the cross. But we teach in those things taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. So he just took the word mature, and now he's using the word spiritual people, spirit people who are seeking to have their life comprehensively and pervasively impacted, influenced by the wisdom and the way and the power of the cross. But the person without the Spirit does not receive what comes from God's Spirit because it is foolishness to him. He is not able to understand it since it is evaluated, appraised, discerned spiritually. So, And he's not talking about intellect or the, uh, not understanding what happened on the cross. What he's talking about is not intellectual comprehension, but spiritual submission. It's like me and my truck. I understood exactly what the gauge was telling me. I just thought I knew better. I was not submitted to the manufacturer. I was not submitted to the instrumentation. It's the same with us. We see Christ on the cross. We see him say, my ways are not your ways. Lean not, trust not in your own understanding. We see him do all, depend upon me. With, apart from me, you could do nothing. We hear it. It's not like we don't understand it. We just don't submit to it. So human wisdom is always going to evaluate everything through the self. How does it affect me? What about me? Where does this take me? Not through denial of self. And that's where the cross positions us. In the denial of self, it's really our false self, our self apart from God, not ourselves with God, in God forever. It's really our false self, who we are apart from God. But it's human wisdom starts with self, not denial of self. God's wisdom always starts at the cross, where we have to not where we have to see Jesus has died for us, but we also have to die to ourselves in order to come to life and live His way, His power, and for His glory, which we will receive and share in. And so Paul closes with this thought. He says, the spiritual person can evaluate everything. That means I can evaluate everything. I can have wisdom in my thises, what we prayed about at the beginning of the message. I can have wisdom over everything if I see it and view it through the lens of the cross. And yet he himself cannot be evaluated by anyone. So Paul's being judged and criticized by a lot of people at Corinth. And and Paul's like, look, ultimately, It's not opinions of people. It's the way of the cross that is laid over us to evaluate how we're living, how we're teaching, how we're moving through life. And then he says this, for who has known the Lord's mind that he may instruct him? Well, nobody can know God's mind without God doing something. But we have the mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ comes through the Spirit of God 
at the cross of Christ as we're positioned there. We're called there, but we're called to stay there and never leave there. So I want to close and give you a question to lay over your this. Your this. Whatever that this was that we prayed for. And and let me introduce it or, or say it through a story from my own walk, okay? In the past, and I, and I don't want to, uh, anyway, let me, just, let me just share it. Okay, in, in the past couple of weeks, I, I've had about four incidences where people uh, told me they had a word from God that I needed to hear, okay? And, and they said it different ways, and some of them were in person, and some of them were over electronic communications and stuff like that. So, so, I, so, yeah, and anytime someone says that, I, you know, I'm like, okay, yeah, I wanna, let me listen. Let me try to be humble. <laughs> sometimes that's hard, you know, take instructions. If I can't listen to the, the gauge on my dashboard, sometimes it's hard to listen to, to, to people, you know. So that's a battle we face, right? But as those four things came into my attention, here's the challenge. They conflicted, or at least two went one way, two went the other. They conflicted what, what I was being told. And I'm like, well, I know God's not doing that then because God's not the author of confusion and God's consistent. God can't be one way today and one way tomorrow. He's consistent. And uh, so I'm trying to say, okay, God, I mean, obviously it feels like you're trying to tell me something through some uh, fellow Christians or fellow believers. And how do I know which ones to listen to or to pray about or to, or to discard or, or, or whatever? And, and uh, I'm preparing... First Corinthians at the same time, and as I get down into it, I realize something. And, and all four messages had correction for me or had admonishment for me. Okay, all four did. It wasn't, it wasn't like two of them were like really good and two were really bad. All four had correction. But only two of the four took me to the cross in humility, but also in renewed recognition of God's great love, great plans, great power that he wants me to walk in. Well, one of those words was shared with me by a member of our prayer team at 633 just this past week. And the crazy thing was when, when, I, when I heard it, I was like, this is taking me to the cross. And I told some of you this, that a few weeks ago we were talking about the Holy Spirit, and I, and I was praying to God, and I just felt in my mind that God said, or the Spirit just put into my mind, study, look at the blood of the Lamb, the blood of Jesus. Don't overlook that. Just go there. So I've been doing that, meditating on that. So last night in, 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 in Ringo, or not last night, excuse me, this past Wednesday in Ringo, as I was... Uh, I heard this word, it took me to the cross, and so I'm assessing it through the cross, and I see, man, this is the path of the cross. This is beautiful, path of the cross. And uh, so I'm praying, and they were playing some instrumental music. We were in a prayer season, and the song that was playing instrumentally was nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. No other fount, no other source, no other path, no other power, no other fount. I know nothing but the blood of Jesus. So church, in your this, whatever you're facing, 
I want to ask about your mind. Because this really could be better translated maybe the mindset of Christ. In this, you're this, the voices in your head, the decisions you're facing, the direction you're considering, the intention of your heart, your motives. Am I at the cross? And I would suggest, based on the authority of God's word today, any voice, any potential decision, any direction or intention that does not lead you to, keep you at, or lead you away from the cross should be taken captive and made to obey Jesus Christ, crucified, Jesus Christ, crucified, buried, and raised, Jesus Christ, the wisdom and the power of God in everything, including our thises that you're facing and that I'm facing. So may we walk in the everyday wisdom that flows from the cross. Let's pray together. God, we began today talking about a this that we might be facing. And I know we all have a this right now. And God, I pray you would shine your Holy Spirit in our minds and in our souls so that we see this through the cross. We come back to the cross. We stay at the cross. Because the cross is the place where your power and wisdom to take us forward to your glory flow. And no other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And in his name we pray. Amen.